0: And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Well... Delighted to say we have yet another victory to talk about. This time, Reading dispatched by King Carlos's charges. 1 uh, 0, a little bit more of a nervous affair than we've been re- used to in recent weeks, but a win is most definitely a win. Um, and Pete, to be honest, although it was a little bit more of a harem-scarum type of a, a victory, Albion having to hang on a little bit towards the end, a lot of balls being bombed into the box really overall, the performance was still very much the same sort of level. We didn't see any of the kind of drop-off that we that we saw a little bit of against Coventry in the, in the one defeat that's come. To be honest, we could and probably should have been comfortably ahead in the first half, but for once... We didn't take our chances. We were actually poor with our finishing. We missed some, missed some great opportunities. The, the man who would go on to be a bit of a hero in the game, Jason Malumbi, one of the most profligate in there with, with, with a great opportunity and, Yet again, a goalkeeper having a fantastic game against us. I said to you off air, I don't really mind it when goalkeepers I rate like um, Woodman and Johansson have great games against us. But when when one that I think is absolutely rubbish, like Lumley, starts looking like prime Lev Lev Yashin, I, I really do resent it. But... Yeah, the only difference for me between this game and what we saw previously against Preston and Bristol City was that we didn't take our chances early on, and that made it a more nervous affair. But I didn't think there was any real drop off in in performance.
1: No, uh, first half especially we were excellent. Like say, could have been three or four ahead. I think the XG totals were about three to Albion and not point five to Reading. So, I mean, I think that tells the story of the amount of chances we created and limited them to, and I'm, I'm not sure they even, they might've had one or two shots in the first half, but I'd say most of their total came, you know, late. They had one that
0: they absolutely should have scored. That was quite similar to, uh, to Malumbi's actually.
1: Oh yeah. Of course the Alex Palmer with his feet saved it. Um, but yeah, apart from that, you know, most of their chances came in the second half. So we absolutely dominated the first half. Um, I think if you look at the field tilt, so like possession, but a bit more, um, important possession it was about 90 percent in our favor in the first half um so we had just kept the ball in their their defensive third our attacking third and it was a bit of a different kind of game in the fact that we were most time well especially in the first half just trying to break down this low block whereas before we've been able to try and get in behind teams a bit more and i thought ddk as much as he, he missed a couple of chances in the first half i thought he was very good um in terms of helping the team build up because Again, he, he did miscontrol a couple of passes, but he received 19 passes and 15 of them were progressive and five in zone 14 right outside the box, um, which is obviously a really valuable area to get into. And then six inside the box as well. So when the ball went into him, he was getting it in dangerous areas and he made a lot of them a lot of them stick. He did miscontrol a few, but...
0: Well, he got a lot of, of shots expected. off as well, Pete. Eight shots in the game.
1: Exactly. So I think it's really useful to have someone that can... Pin a defender like he was. He was showing his strength, uh, especially when you're coming up against a low block when you, most of the time when we're trying to move the ball forwards, we're trying to use the wide area. So I think we just tried to make the most of having DK there to pin a defender when Reading kind of shifted their players to defend those wide areas. And there was, like you say, eight shots and he spun the defender a couple of times and got well, shots one of from those, there. So.
0: Should he have got the defender sent off?
1: It was a close call, wasn't it? The one that he spun the defender and he pulled him down. Yeah. <sighs> I think it's a it's a tough one. Maybe later in the game, the ref would have done it, would have sent him off. I think it's yeah, it's kind of in between. I couldn't really tell whether the defender whether the defender would have got around to make a block or not. But I think it was a tight call.
0: You talk about the low block there, Pete. What that's not really something we've we've occasionally had to come up against it in, in at the Hawthorns this season. Um, G- Cardiff at home sticks in my mind, but generally speaking especially as our form got poorer and poorer, teams have come up against us and come and had a go, really. I think they felt we're there for the taking. I mean, obviously, our goals conceded in the first 15 minutes of games under Bruce spoke for itself. And I think teams felt we were there to be got at, certainly in the early period of games. So probably didn't sit back against us. However, we now have these incredible statistics of... Eight wins in nine. Um, We haven't conceded a goal from open play in those nine matches either. As those statistics, and we hope they continue to build, if they do continue to build, should we expect more and more teams to come to the Hawthorns with the kind of tactics that we saw from Reading? Because we're not there for the taking anymore, and we were under Bruce.
1: Potentially, you'll get more teams coming and just trying to uh, settle for a point. I mean was time wasting from the first minute, so I think that kind of outlined their intentions of. Took taking the ref a while to game. book
0: him for it, though, didn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, I said to you that if he just booked him in the first, I don't know, thirty minutes or something, it was it was clear what he was doing, and the ref was telling him to hurry up. But if he just booked him, he would have he would have cut it out for the the rest of the game. So, yeah, I don't understand that one, but it was quite clear what their intentions were: settle for a draw and probably maybe push later on to to nick the three points, but. Yeah, it's something that we probably see more often. I think we do like to try and draw teams out and keep the pitch as wide as possible so that we can still try and make space in behind and in wide areas. I think uh Matt Phillips and Jed Wallace spend most of the time on the touchline, even when the ball's on the opposite side of the pitch, just to to really stretch it. But with the um the amount of chances we created in that first half when we're up against the low block, it's promising signs that we will be able to break them down under the core run and not just play. On the counter attack.
0: Well, it was interesting how wide we made the pitch as well, Pete, because um, obviously Corbrand knew how Ince was going to set his team up. And you look at the the first half in particular, and it was noticeable that it was almost like a triple threat down that right hand side, wasn't it? It was Wallace with Furlong going outside of him, and then Malumbi backing them up on that right hand side. It was, it it, it was almost like we we are going to stretch your defence as much as we possibly could, and it I mean it worked like like I say, everything but the finish in that first half,
1: and it was similar down the left as well with uh, John Swift helping Townsend and Matt Phillips out. Swift kind of, he was, he roamed around a bit more than Malumbi when we had the ball, but a lot of the time he spent kind of on the, on the left wing helping Townsend and, and Phillips out. And Phillips kept, kept that width, um, all the time. And the amount of times he starts darting forward to just kind of pull the fullback back and then comes short and does it again. And it's quite easy to miss, but his, his movement and kind of threatening the fullback in that way is, is very good. He put in a couple of good crosses as well. So. Yeah, I, I don't think you can say anyone had a bad game, but I thought Phillips looked quite good again.
0: Yeah, and also on that left-hand side, one I wanted to just uh, just pick up on Pete was uh, was was Connor Townsend, who who I actually thought had uh, had a very good game. Um, and I had a look at his, look at his stats. I mean, he was good in a defensive sense. Um, equal most tackles made, equal most clearances, so did a lot of work for us defensively, but also getting forward, you know, um, two shots, one on target, the other one hit the post and an 86% pass completion rate whilst playing progressively. And it's worth saying, that's not easy to do, is it? If you're constantly playing progressive passes into good areas, it's not easy to actually have a high completion uh, completion rate of passes. I thought he, he's one that we talked about him in the last pod. And I do think... Whilst yes, positionally he can get caught out at times, not so much uh, against Reading, largely because they didn't attack that much until they were a goal down. But when when we are in possession of the ball, when we have a lot of the ball, or when we are the team on the front foot, as you say, when the field tilt is is heavily in our favour, I just think he brings so much to the side. And I thought I thought, um, I thought it, we'll come on to talk about Jason Malumbi, who was fantastic. But I thought the only player that surpassed Connor Townsend against Reading was uh, 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 was, was Jason Mullinby. I thought Connor Townsend was probably, if you were doing a vote for Man the Match, Connor Townsend was second for me.
1: I thought he was very good. But like I say, I think you can say that about the majority of players. Um, but yeah, like I say, as he usually does, moves the ball forward well. Was trying to play those passes into Matt Phillips down the line so that he could get crosses off. And, you know, he was also trying to put balls into the box. For DK, so to have that pass completion rate whilst attempting those kind of things is impressive. He got back well and made a few good challenges as well. There was one where he, he kind of summed up what we were saying the other week about him in his one on one defending. When I'm not sure who it was that was dribbling at him, but he just timed it perfectly, made a, a massive tackle and um, on about the halfway line. But well, yeah, very solid and, and good on the ball as well.
0: You do just wish though that. He, you do just wish he'd score a goal at some point, though, don't you? Because I mean, he, 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 he seem he seems to he's 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 pretty high in his in his average shots per game. I'm just I'm just looking now, Pete. I mean, he he's 0.7 shots per game. That's a lot for a left back. He, he but he never scores. If there's one area of Connor Townsend's game, I wish he could improve, it would be that that finishing because. I mean, he's he's a bit unlucky with the one that hits the post, to be honest with you. And the keeper's made a good save, as I recall, from the one that was on target. But he does get into some good positions. And I I, I can't help but feeling Connor Townsend should probably end most seasons on maybe three or four goals.
1: Well, that yeah, that header just... I can't believe that didn't go in. It's difficult, to be fair. It was coming quite fast and a bit of a diving header, wasn't it? And uh, I think that's just unlucky that it hits the post. But he seems to be getting unlucky... A fair bit was it against Bristol City where he had a couple of shots at it when after, I think it was after a corner and he just couldn't get a good connection on it or something from about four yards out. But yeah, he's getting shots off in good areas for a fullback. And if it, if he continues to do that, he will score goals, but you just want him to be a bit more clinical with it. So yeah, I mean, credit to him for, for getting into the areas and get those shots off. But if he could hit the back, back of the net a couple more times a season, then yeah, that'd be very nice.
0: Absolutely. And just moving back to all that, because, I mean, we talk about Connor Townsend contributing goals there. But realistically, for much of this season, scoring goals hasn't been a major problem uh, for us. But, and, we, and and I mean, as much as, you know, we're all going to look back on the Bruce regime now and say, my goodness me, you know, what, why did we stick with him so long when you look at what these players are producing? The reality is we weren't miles off under uh, under Bruce I mean it, we actually never lost three games in a row um, this season under Bruce the first time we did that was two games under Beale and then the first under uh, under Corbrand so we weren't losing loads of games under Bruce the problem was we were drawing too many and why were we drawing too many because we were conceding too many early goals and we were constantly having to come back in games um, and we, we couldn't come back from losing positions to win matches so we weren't winning uh, winning football matches The big stat for me under Corbram, Pete, is no open play goals conceded in the last nine. I mean, what a basis that gives you to go on and win a game. Because you look at the game against Reading that we've just played, and it's not that dissimilar to a lot of the games that we played under Bruce, really. Particularly earlier in the season when we were playing quite well. And we would have a lot of chances early on in games. We would start games quite swiftly and we would miss a lot of chances. But the difference under Bruce was then the opposition would go up the other end and score. And that's not happening under Corbran. And for me, if you want, in a nutshell, like wh- why why we've managed to turn this around so markedly, it's that it's that solidity it's the, it's having that base to build upon and Bruce never gave us that he he did have us an attacking threat, but quite often we would go a goal down in games and then you've and then you've got to really break down a parked bus haven't you and that makes it so much more difficult the The attacking threat was there under Bruce we were missing chances and we as we did against against reading but under Bruce if we'd played that same game against uh, against reading after we'd missed those chances in the first 20 25 minutes we'd have probably they'd have probably gone at the other end and scored and we would have gone in at half time 1-0 and at best we'd have made we'd maybe battled back to 1-1 quite possibly might have co- even conceded another goal on on the break and ended up losing the game so uh, that that's the difference for me
1: the players seem to have a lot more desire and fight about them we're talking about melembe off there and talking about how he almost always brings that to a game that energy in the fight, but all the players seem to have it under Corbran, and they seem to be desperate to, you know, protect the stat that we're not conceded in open play since Sheffield United, and protect the winning run that we've been on. I think you could see it in the last five or ten minutes when Reading were really putting the pressure on us. I noted that Thomas Asante seemed to win about three headers in our own box, and it wasn't just him going. for it. We had about two or three players going for it, and they just looked desperate to to defend and keep the clean sheet and keep the three points, which. I'm not sure we had under Bruce. I don't know whether that's core completely changed the um, atmosphere and the culture or we're just on a winning run and the players, you know, they want to keep that up and yeah, continue that good form.
0: But I mean, yeah. And you say about, uh, about that, Pete, I mean, I gave you, I gave you a quote off air and I'll read it. I'll read it now for our listeners that um, Albion have put an interview with Jason Molumby on their Instagram um, and I, I listened to it and, I, and there's something really struck me. He said, We've shifted the mentality. There's no point taking throw-ins or trying to nick points. We want to win every game now. Now, for me, that that's telling in a few senses. First of all, it's corbran's mentality that I'm not here to get draws. I'm here to I'm here to win football matches. And he obviously was well aware of the fact that we were a long way back and that um, draws didn't wouldn't get you up the table, but wins will. As they have done, I mean let's be fair about this we've we, we've won eight out of the last nine and we're still ninth. I know we're only a point off the playoffs, but that's how far back we were that we've won uh, that we've won eight of nine which is phenomenal form by anybody's standards, and we're still not in the playoffs, so it just goes to show how how much recovery we had to do. so I understand that mentality, but that's obviously got across the players first of all from an energy point of view. If you're going out trying to win a game, it's so much easier to create that energy within yourself than it is if you're holding on to something It's like the whole thing about not having the ball is more tiring than than having the ball um and 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 attacking anybody who's anybody who's played the game to any sort of level will know that it is a lot easier to uh, to run forwards onto a ball that you're chasing through on goal to try and score than it is to run back chasing chasing a player when you're the defender you're doing the same sprint but one is easier than the other it's just it's just that simple because it's a mentality thing and first of all I think Corbran has created that mentality but the other thing that that quote says to me Pete is that the players were given cautious instructions by Bruce that if if Molumbi is coming out and saying there's no point in us trying to uh, uh, trying to take throw-ins or nick points that perhaps that was the instruction under Bruce that you know break the game up a little bit, win the odd throw in, you know, uh, take your time, um, you know, don't be don't be too gung ho. If we've got a point, we don't uh, we don't give it away. Um, and I, I think I think that that was I think that was probably part of the mentality under Bruce. What do you think?
1: It might allude to the fact that we, each player seems to have more defined roles, and it looks like there's a greater influence from the manager that players are playing in. Certain way, and it's making it easier for them to form, um, and they can kind of focus their energy into the right way. Obviously, I think you could lose playing deeper and, and playing simpler passes, which has benefited him. Malumbi's taken up that almost right wing back spot when we when we've got the ball, and it seems to be everything just seems to be more defined, and everyone knows what they're doing. And I wonder if Malumbi's quote that you read out there was kind of maybe that we've the managers having a greater everything's into a finer detail rather than. Perhaps Bruce, I um, might be very unfair on Bruce here, but perhaps he was more focused on kind of the cliches that are obviously still important. But, you know, winning 50-50s, getting high inside of the pitch, you know, keeping teams boxed in or whatever. Whereas with Colbran, everything's just a bit more details. We know that if we keep the ball in play and have the ball, then we've got the right structures and ideas to break down those teams.
0: Well, and that, that was also backed up by something else he said in that interview, Pete, that he he said that um, Corbran had spent a lot of one-on-one time with him, uh, spent uh, showed him a lot of individual clips. And uh, and the the interviewer actually picked up on that and said uh, uh, something along the lines of, you know, oh, is that something he's done for you? He says, no, 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 he does it for all the lads. And it just reminded me a bit, um, I don't know actually whether, you, whether you've watched the Arsenal All or Nothing documentary, Pete, but it reminded me of the... Uh, almost every episode, there was um, Arteta or some member of his staff having one-on-one time in the cinema room with one of one of the players, showing them clips of their game, talking them through aspects of the of their game, helping them with their performance, very much one-on-one. Now, again, I have no idea whether this did or didn't happen under under Bruce. No clue. I don't have the insider knowledge to know that. But what I will say is that under Corbran, if you go through that uh, that team, it's not just about the structure. How many individuals are improving? I mean, you've got a 23-year-old there in Jason Malumbi. He is prime age to improve as a footballer. And clearly the information and the feedback and the analysis that he has been given by corbrand and his staff on a on a weekly basis is helping him improve as a footballer brandon thomas asante has come on leaps and bounds i know he got a lot of praise early uh, early on in his uh, his albion career to me at times what i saw from brandon early on in his career was a lot of in early on in his Albion career, before Corbrand came in, was a great deal of energy and desire and work rate, not always being that intelligently applied. Like I didn't, I didn't think there was a lot of the time. It was just being a bit of a menace, running around quite a lot. Now, what I see when I watch Brandon Thomas Asante is a really, really smart footballer who knows how to cause defences problems it's not running for the point of running it's running into good areas it's knowing how to how to back into defenders it's knowing it's knowing how to roll people how to get into the channels and I, i'm just looking at the younger players in the squad in particular but even even some of the older ones you talk about Koslu there pete and how much he's improved under Corbran. And I know he looked a very good player in the, in the Premier League, but Corbran has clearly given him that structure that maybe he lacked earlier in uh, earlier in the season. Again, getting the best out of John Swift, I'm seeing players being coached, being improved. I wasn't necessarily seeing this under Bruce. I was seeing, seeing players play below their level, to be honest with you.
1: I think a lot of it, like I say, is probably down to the fact that everyone's got defined roles and they can actually use their energy in, in the right way and the structure just seems to, to be a lot better and more effective uh, which in turn makes well it makes the players look better but it also makes their jobs easier and allows them to, to play better as well because they've potentially got more options on the ball and they know like kind of what the move is looking like everyone's got the same picture in their heads it's just coaching on the training ground and if you give players the right um, structure to play in and are coaching them well, then they're going to be able to show their ability and develop as well. So, yeah, I think. And you mentioned about the the video analysis, if you like, that Corbran was doing with Molumbi. I think there's something similar mentioned by Tom Sassante in, in an interview earlier in the season as well. So, yeah,
0: you're right. There was a, f- a few weeks back.
1: Yeah, so it's, it seems to be something that is definitely going on. And the fact that it's been mentioned by two players now, it's potentially something that's greater focus since Corbran has come in.
0: I was going to say the fact that it's being remarked upon suggests that it's something new.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, or at least something with a, a much bigger focus. And yeah, I can't can't seem too surprised that Goran's got a focus on um, video analysis and showing footage to players and having that conversation with them. I think it's something that modern coaches tend to like to do a lot. And he seems to be one of them. Obviously, he's young, but he seems to have quite a modern approach to things as well, which is very promising because when you've got the tools at your disposal, you may as well make the make the most of them.
0: It makes players feel appreciated a little bit more as well if they're getting that one on one time and the manager is putting the time into them to try and make them better it make it makes you feel like he you know he, he he wants you to be better, he wants you to be a part of the side whereas if if it's all a group thing and then on the weekend you're not playing or you're not starting you probably sat there wondering why and what can i do to get better gaffer what can i do to get in the side but even jason mullumby spent a lot of the, i'm going to focus on jason mullumby for quite a lot of this pod largely because he was the star player on the weekend jason mullumby has spent a lot of time in and out of this team under under corbran he but he's not sat there when on the days that he's off uh, out of the um out of the team under any illusions as to why he's on, out of the team, he probably knows that he's either had it explained to him that, for example, you know, I'm starting John Swift in the eight against Rotherham because you know, Rotherham are going to give us a lot of the ball. We don't need your combative nature in midfield today. Um, but, you know, you will start in, in another game. Or he's saying to uh, saying to Malumbi, look, there's something you need to improve in your game and we're going to sit you down with the video team and we're going to look at that i just feel it's clarity for players like you you're always you're always going to be you're never going to be happy being out the team but if you know the reasons why and the things that you that you can work on and then you work on the, on them and you get back in the team as a result then really you know unless you're the kind of personality that just thinks the world's against you and uh, and that nothing's ever your fault. As long as you're the kind of personality that takes responsibility for yourself and your own performance, you're going to accept that, aren't you?
1: I'd say so. And not only does it help players kind of understand why they may not be in the team and what they can improve on, um, I'd say it also, I'd imagine those sessions involve a lot of discussion between the player or brand or the analyst, whoever's doing it, kind of just what Molumby's done and, well, Malumbi, for example, and what he's done and why, and then the coach, analyst, Cole Brown, whoever, telling him what he would want him to do and and why, and it will probably help. Well, it'll help Corbain understand Malumbi's game and what he's often looking to do, and it'll also help Malumbians understand the tactical approach that Corbran wants. And I think it will, if you can deeply understand what the coach wants, then you're going to be much better um, positioned to to fulfil that on on the match day and and put in a performance that. Well a'll benefit the team and be' um impress the coach
0: let's just stay on Jason Mullumby for a moment because as i say he i have again i've i've seen uh, I've seen the vote that's gone up, and I've seen that Jason Mullumby has won it comfortably as he should by the way because he was the best player on the park um against reading easily comfortably he was absolutely outstanding. And you know, swung in a wonderful. Okay, he missed the chance early on, and he, he to be honest, he he admitted that in his post match interview. He uh, when 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 asked about his ball in for DK, he said, "Well, I had to really because I missed one from five yards." But just looking at him as a whole, Pete, when he uh, we've done we, uh, we've focused on Jason Mullenby, I think uh, two main times last season. One was when he was sent off after two bookings, I believe, against Nottingham Forest at home, unless I'm mistaken. And then the other was when we signed him permanently. Now, when we signed him permanently, there was a bit of backlash on social media. A lot of people saying he wasn't good enough, blah, 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 et etc. Et and you and I took a very strong stance on Jason mullumby and said, for under a million quid, a 22-year-old with that much potential, that is good business. Now I'm not going to sit here and and, and pat ourselves on the back, Pete, because as much, for as many things as we get right, I'm sure there's as many things that people can uh, can pull out and find that we got we get wrong. So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be arrogant about the fact that we we called Mulumbi or we appear to have called Mullumbi correct. Obviously, there's a long way to go. But what what I would say is when you look at his data and it, it it is comparable because he 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 is now only 184 minutes off playing the same amount of minutes as he played in the whole of last season so you can compare his data quite comparably at this point actually not a lot has changed his his defensive data is pretty much the same his passing data is pretty much the same his offensive data is pretty much the same but two major things have changed First of all, he is being dispossessed half as much as he was last season, which is a huge difference. He looks like he's more comfortable on the ball. He's not getting caught in possession. Probably there are more players to pass to as well in this team, which is leading to getting dispossessed last, uh, less. But the other one, and and this is why I mentioned the chat we had after the Forest game, is I think you and I said after that game, Jason Mullumby gets booked too much on a whole. And he probably needs to learn to use his bookings more intelligently, i.e., not get a silly booking early doors in a game and hamstring himself for the rest of the uh, rest of the game. Well, I compare his data to what last season. Like I say, he's only one hundred and eighty four minutes less than he played in the whole last season. Last season, ten yellows, one red. This season, four yellows, zero reds. I think that's the big change in Jason Malumbi. It's just that game intelligence of when to take that booking and when to make that tackle he saves it now he doesn't i'm not seeing him pick up the stupid yellow cards for diving into tackles that he didn't need to t- uh, dive into or shouting at officials and getting himself booked and uh, and and things like that which is just so unnecessary for a player in his position who needs his yellow card because at some point he there's always a chance that a player is going to be breaking upfield with us 1-0 up and Malumbi's just going to need to pull him back and that 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 is a good yellow in my book, that is always a good yellow but you've got to have it in your back pocket, last season he didn't this season he does, that's the big change in Malumbi for me.
1: Yeah and I go back to the structure that he's probably got more of a defined role and he's got more support with Yacuzhulu there as well that we're not going to be cut open as much and he's going to have to make a silly foul early on but I think he's probably got more discipline as well and he's using his energy in, in better ways. But to know that you've got that protection behind you, that if you don't win the ball and the man gets past you, then you've got Yacouchele or Daro Shea, Darnell Furlong behind you to, to kind of sweep it up and protect them, it probably makes it a bit easier and you're less likely to commit that foul. But yeah, he's I think in terms of his, his numbers, they are pretty similar. You know, he's securing his pass and he triples forward a fair bit. He does quite a bit defensively, which is, yeah, similar to last year. But I think he's probably just maybe matured a bit, maybe. Um, just playing in a kind of system that uh, benefits him more and allows him to focus all that energy that he does have on on the important things.
0: He's going to be an absolute snip at seven, eight, nine hundred grand, whatever it was that he cost.
1: Uh, I've seen differing numbers out there, but everybody, the consistent
0: factor is he seems to be under a million. He's going to be an absolute bargain, isn't he, Pete?
1: He definitely looks to be. You know, a million doesn't get you too much uh, these days, but as a, is he still 23? 23, 23 year old? That. Yep, 23 playing quite a lot of minutes already. He's looking comfortable. was obviously man of the match against Reading. Um, he just already seems to be developing under Corbran. Can only see his value going up from here.
0: Just to finish, Pete, and this this is becoming a bit of a theme um, on, on, on what we finish on, um, but away from the pitch, and again, everything's going brilliantly and, and delighted to see it going so well on the pitch, but still a lot of concerns off the pitch. Obviously, Statement released by the club on New Year's Eve, um, which stated that um, Gauchon Lai had not paid back his £4.95 million loan and said it would be sometime in the new year. Nice and vague from the club there. Um, I mean, to be fair, not blaming the club because to be fair to the club, what can they say? What can, you know, they, they, they can't make, they can't make promises on the owner's behalf. I'm not having, not having a go at the, the people who release these statements. That would be, that would be foolish of, uh, of me because we, we know, we know the problem is, is with the ownership. Um, but it was vague. Um, <laughs> didn't, didn't state which new year, um, that, that he was going to repay this, uh, this money. It just seems every time we get, uh, you know, we get to one of these deadlines, it gets extended, it gets extended. And what the result of that has been to, um, kick the, um, kick the protests into another gear. And the protests on the Halford's Lane were, loud, from what I hear, very peaceable, um, uh, I know, I know, um, Ali jones paul Faulkner the guys the guys around this who do around action Pro Albion, who do a great job by the way, um spent a lot of time after the reading Game speaking to the police, making sure that they were happy with what was going on and the communication i 've had from Ali and the guys is that um is, is that largely the police were happy, they felt there was a walkway through the through the Halford's Lane protests, and what they saw was peaceable and not violent in any way, shape, or form, but they were loud. And they were they they were voicing their concerns to well the shutters on the Halfords Lane, unfortunately, because they they were down, and the, uh, they 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 made a, a very good spectacle, and it's been it's been used in the in the media, which is great. It's getting the word out, but I mean, it just seems every sort of every, and we're doing these pods fairly regularly now, Pete, because we've had such a volume of games in such a short period of time, and it seems like every every time. We do a pod. We've got a great win to talk about on the pitch. And we've got another bit of negative news to talk about off the pitch in terms of the ownership and the the financial situation. And I think it's amazing that action for Albion are ramping, uh, ramping up the protests. And for as long as they're peaceful and I know action for Albion will always keep the protests peaceful. Then I encourage people to, to get involved and make, make their voices heard. But it is just such a worry, isn't it? And, the silence at this point and the, the lack of communication of what all this means is deafening. And I think we we just need some clarity at this point, don't we, Pete? We need some clarity as to, look, genuinely, when is this loan going to be repaid? Is it ever going to be repaid? A bit more clarity as to why have we had to take this £20 million out? Where where has all the money that we earned from all those years in the Premier League gone? And if it has gone, why have we been so financially mismanaged? That I, I know it's it's got to come from the right people because you can't expect the comms team at the Albion to just roll this information out. It's got to come from the people at the very, very top of the football club. I mean, I'm even starting to feel a bit sorry for Ron Gaule because the wording of that statement around lies loan, it felt a bit like that. It's obviously, you know, Gourlay must have had some level of sign off on that statement, I imagine, and it felt like even Gourlay was digging lie out at this point. But there's got to somebody's got to break ranks at some point, Pete, and has got to tell us what's going on because it's getting beyond a joke now.
1: Yeah, and I imagine if. Five million was intended to come back by the deadline of the new year. Then maybe only taken out a fifteen million pound loan or having a twenty million pound loan and saved ourselves a fair chunk on interest payments. But yeah, I'm I'm skeptical whether we'll actually ever see that five million pounds back in the club. Like you say at the minute, it's just no communication. And well, it also no...
0: makes you wonder what else there is that we don't know about, Pete, because that 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 five million was uh, was was kept. As information from the supporters and fr- and from the Albion Assembly, uh, because I remember Gourlay being directly asked the question whether there was anything to look out for in the in the finances, and he said no. And then it comes out and and the, uh, and you know the, there's this five million loan because the because the finance because uh, the financial reports run like a year behind. You've got to wonder what else is in there.
1: Yeah, and, well, we won't find out until June, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, we can only hope that there's no more loans going out to lie and that he's just funding those loans with the loans from MSD. I'd rather it was just we were overspending on players' wages being the reason that we needed to take out this £20 million loan. At least
0: Do you think that's what it is, Pete? I mean, you you know, you're much more financially minded than, than me because uh, to my very untrained eye in a financial sense, and look, you know, m- my missus would be the first to tell you I can barely balance the checkbook for our house. Um, But, uh, but look, I- I- to my eye... I've got a I've got I've got to look at it and say we've had all these years in the Premier League and then we we've, we've only been you know we've only been out the the Premier League for three of the last four seasons and yet we we're, we're in this much financial trouble I d- it doesn't make any sense to me that the the club should have more than enough money especially with, with 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 flex downs in pretty much all the players contracts which as i understand it there is
1: well i would imagine in our last few seasons in the Premier League the lie very little was going into the into the bank and staying there I imagine most of it was just going back out on wages players like Krakowiak and Daniel Sturridge as well both would have been on massive wages I think both in the season that we got relegated for that first time after a long period in the Premier League and then I don't think we've massively reduced the the wage expenditure apart from the relegation clauses that would have seen players earning less but in terms of individual personnel i don't we've not really got rid of too many of the the high earners since i i guess we would still we're still operating as a club with a wage budget of that of a team that would have parachute payments coming in and obviously at the end of the season we won't have them so i wonder if that's that's where the the holes come from that we need to fill with this loan just the fact that we've not we've not kind of planned to to run out of parachute payments and hence the the wage bill's too high for what our income's going to be from next season
0: so to Put it in a, put it in a nutshell, Pete. One, one of two things is true for you. Either we've financially mismanaged this football club and we've overspent on wages and we have not planned for what, it, to be honest, for a club of our size is probably always a reasonable, reasonably inevitable scenario that we would probably at some point find ourselves in the championship because, you know, we're not, we're we're not, we're not probably not a big enough club to guarantee ourselves 15, 20 years straight in the Premier League. So we've either financially mismanaged and overspent thinking that Premier League football was some sort of a guarantee for this, uh, for this football club, just because we've bounced back so many times before and up until last season had never finished below 6th in the, in the championship in the last 20 odd years or whatever it was or the second scenario is that there are there is money leaving the club in other ways that we don't know about what, is, would it be fair to say one of those two things has to be true or potentially a combination of both is true
1: well without seeing the financial statements it's obviously very difficult to tell but i mean i don't I'm pretty sure that apart from the 5 million pound loan in the last statements, there weren't any signs of the any money leaving the club then. So, fingers crossed again, it's been the same for what's going to be in the next set of financial statements. I'm guessing it's more just to do with the that we've maybe gambled on promotion. We are, well, maybe not this season, but the current squad that we've got now going into next season, will be overspending on wages compared to what we've actually got coming in.
0: Well, we gambled um, on promotion this season, haven't we? Wallace and Swift were big outlays on long-term contracts.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think there was the gamble at the start of this season to get promotion by signing those two and your as well. He's going to be earning a fair bit of money, I'd imagine. So signing those players and not reducing the wage budget elsewhere, you, if you don't get promoted this season, then next season there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a big gap between your income and your expenditure on wages.
0: I mean, look. This is obviously fairly speculative from from Pete and I. We, you know, we don't we don't know quite what what is going on here. But Pete, I think the very point the very point is that you know we we know there's a problem, but we we are having to speculate. We are having to give our opinion on what we think the problem might be, because the information's not out there. And there's got to come a point where. Put the speculation to bed. Look, we know we know something's gone wrong. We're not idiots. We 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 know something has gone horribly wrong in the running of this of this football club over the last few years. Because you, you don't have to take if 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 there wasn't something going wrong, you shouldn't be having to take out a twenty million pound high interest loan. So tell us, tell us what's got you know. There's got to, there's got to come some clarity because because otherwise, what you're going to have is people on podcasts like you and I. Trying to make sense of it all. And that's all we're trying to do, isn't it? We're trying to make sense of it all for for the people out there. But the fact is we can't because we don't know and nobody nobody knows outside of probably Ron Gourlay, Gauchon Lai and a handful of others what actually has gone on.
1: Precisely. You know, we've only got the same information that anyone else can get. We can look at the the accounts from well, the last set of accounts that were published, but that doesn't tell you too much considering they were for the season that we got relegated from the Premier League. Yeah, it doesn't tell you an awful lot, and we can only speculate because nobody at the clubs actually explaining what is going on and why.
0: Absolutely, and look, we'll leave it there because uh, because we could we could go back and forth on on different scenarios on on this, but like I say, we, we're not we're not here to throw around. Too many theories we we will give our opinion on what we believe we see within uh, within the accounts and what we believe we see th- within the information that we have, but it is only our interpretation of that information. The fact is well the fact is there aren't a lot of facts out there at the moment we're not being given a great deal of information and Yeah, I'll just leave you with a plea to the the club that the people at the very, very top, I'm well aware that, you know, you're not going to come in and give us chapter and verse on everything that goes on behind the scenes at a football club. Look, I've worked at this very football club. uh, I've worked in the communications department of this very football club. I appreciate how that works. And I also appreciate the fact that the communications department, I'm not holding them to any sort of account here because they can't do anything that they're not allowed to do by the absolute hierarchy of the football club. So my plea is more to your Ron Gorleys and to the ownership as well, to Yuzuki Kens and uh, and Gauchan Lies and people like that, Just give us some clarity for crying out loud, please, because as supporters, we deserve that. I'm not expecting every little bit of information, but just just tell us why we're in this situation where we are having to take out a 20 million pound loan. Because I'm telling you right now, nobody who uh, nobody who supports this football club can think any less of you than they do right now. Uh, that that is that is the God's honest truth because you've you've completely burnt your reputation with these fans. Pull it back a little bit with a bit of communication because I'm sorry, Ron Gourlay, you came in with a manifesto of greater communication with uh, with, with the with the supporters. Now whether it's over the loan we've taken out, whether it's the loan being repaid by uh, by Gauchan Lie, whether it's the fiasco on deadline day, I'm sorry, mate, we have seen diddly squat from you in terms of communication. You've not lived up to those promises. Please, please, please go back, read what you said when you were made chief executive of this football club and be a big person. Live up to it because that's what people in powerful positions should do. They should live up to their words. And that's what I call upon you to do, Ron Gawley. And the, the, the ownership of this football club, just start treating the supporters with some respect, please. Start showing them their due respect because they are here, rain and shine, behind this, this football club for their entire lives. It's not a fleeting thing. It's not a business to them like it is to you. It is their lives. It is their community. It's... You know, it's something that's handed down through generations. Start treating it as such and start treating them with the reverence and respect that they deserve. Because at the moment you are disrespecting them. You're treating them like they're nothing and it has to stop. So buck your ideas up. Gauley, the ownership, buck your ideas up because this has got to stop. We'll leave it there for today. Um, sorry, I've had a bit of a rant, but it needed to be said. We'll be back after the Chesterfield FA Cup game. But until then, thanks for listening and up the baggies. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Albin have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNuggets share box. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, eighteen plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport powered by fans.